Today, the research reveals that over 50% of U.S. families are remarried or recoupled after a divorce. The family structure is indeed changing, and the expected blended family or step family has now become very much the norm. Taking on kids and a 14 year age gap in the relationship and all this stuff and people like asking constantly, how's the kid's mom? And you know, just like all the expectations about it. I think I let it get into my head sometimes. What you expressed to me was the hurt in the fact that it wasn't your decision. Like you felt helpless because you were like, it's not my decision whether I want kids or not. You felt like I was making the yeah, decision Yeah, but I you. also was like, but I've made the decision to be in this relationship. When a couple gets together and one of the partners has kids from a previous relationship, the issues uh, and the boundaries and the expectations uh, around the relationship only get intensified. These things come right out of the gate when you date someone who has kids. I've seen people refrain from having these conversations because it's so difficult and so challenging. And in addition, the elephant in the room is, well, what about us? Do we have more kids? Or is it over for you as a dad or a mom? These are the questions that Kenyon and Stacy wrestle with as they sit down together and have their elephant talk. In the second half of the show, I speak with Waylon Lewis. He's the founder of the online magazine Elephant Journal. He's also the host of the live webcast show Walk the Talk. We discuss Buddhism in relationships, dating life, and how Waylon's mom is ready now for him to get married. A lot has happened in the last hundred years in relationships. Marriages have gone from practically being arranged, mm -hmm. you just live in them, they're good or they're bad, to uh, really us, you know, only being willing to settle for romantic love, which lasts approximately eight weeks. And then you have to deal with reality, right? Yeah. My name is Andy Horning, and this is Elephant Talk. It's a show about all things relationship, the soulful, the silly, and the sexy. When we met, you were 42? Yeah. 42. And so then I was 28. And immediately I was like, oh gosh, 14 years of an age gap. That's a lot. But you didn't seem like it. You seemed like you were 35 because you're an adventurer, you're, you work out, you're very fit. The fact that you have your shit together, that's <laughs> what a 40-year-old, you know, would typically have. That was part of why it made it so much easier to get to know you and to um, decide to take that step. And you told me you had kids, and I was like, oh, God, no. I was thinking in my Midwest conservative mind of like, oh, God, like, what does that mean? Like, I'm not doing the 2.5 kid thing and like, grad like getting married after college. I'm not on the typical path, right? And that was huge. And so I had my own stereotype and my own expectation and you were breaking that but that's why you made me so curious about who you actually were you weren't 100 percent sure when you said so are you 100 percent done with having kids mm -hmm. uh, and that was a big question for me because it had been a question that had come up time and time again mm -hmm. since uh the kid's mom and i had separated mm -hmm. 
which was a, do- a half dozen years prior. In each of the relationships I was having, that was, or even dating, that was the most common question and the most common deal breaker. Yeah. So it wasn't anything new that the question came up. What was new was that I stood strong in where a place I wavered uh, in the past, even though I knew that it might mean losing something that I thought, wow, this is this is, this person's amazing. This I think this is a good fit. I didn't really have a reaction. I just thought, okay, this is something I'm really gonna have to think about. It didn't necessarily deter me in the moment from hanging out with you. Like it wasn't something that moved me deeply inside and was like, oh gosh, can't see this guy again. But in the moment, I loved being with you. And there was a connection I never had before. And you are an extraordinary human. And so I thought, okay, my life would be better just being around him anyway. So I thought, I'm just going to run with it. So it's been yeah. a year and a half. Yeah, coming up on two years. Together. And we, I met the kids right away. I moved in within two months. Well, because I also felt like I knew you so well after getting to know you for six months and then dating for a couple. And we just like, everything just like meshed so well. And so... We just went for it. But what were literally? We remember we both looked at each other. We're like, let's just do. You want to do life together? Let's just do this. Let's just jump off the cliff together. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Taking on kids and a fourteen-year age gap in the relationship and all this stuff and people like asking constantly, "How's the kids, mom?" And you know, just like all the expectations about it. I think I let it get into my head sometimes, but. Something would always bring me back. You were always so communicative about things. You would let me just talk to you about it, which was so helpful. I always forget that we have a 14-year age gap. Like, (laughs) it's not something that's at the forefront. It's almost perfect in terms of just how mature you are and the connection is there. A number is a number. It doesn't matter. And I think 14 years is not some absurd age gap in in my mind. And meanwhile, I'm also going through another side of it yeah. where I'm thinking I've been single for a long time. I've really enjoyed it. The last relationship I felt was detrimental to the kids and bringing in someone else to live in the house again. Like I was very protective of them. And so I was like, do I really want to do a get back into another relationship long term, then introduce you to the kids and then Mm. say, guess what? She's moving in. It wasn't about if I liked this person or loved Mm -hmm. this person. Really, what I had to see was that the kids liked this person, the kids Mm -hmm. loved this person and that they loved the kids. So when you were like really showing that you had an interest in them and that you liked Mm -hmm. them and that the the potential that you could love them. When I saw that and felt that, that's when I knew that it was going to be okay to say, you know, here's the key to the house. Come and go when you want, move in. It'd be amazing. I'm adopted. And so I think I have a different perspective on bringing children or other beings into your life and loving them. Because I'm adopted and my family took me in lovingly, unconditionally. I think it's so much easier for me to do that. And I grew up always saying, I'm going to adopt someday. And I absolutely knew that. I never said I have to have 2.5 kids. I said, I, I'm going to adopt. And I've, I've basically adopted them. I've adopted them into my heart and into my life. But it was a process, you know, like, and there was a lot of scary moments or times where I was unsure or times where I had to 
really sit and think about things and adjusting too because here I am late 20s I still want to go and be a 28 year old no you know now I'm 30 I still want to go and do things that 30 year olds do and you're kind of like I've done that but you're good but you just let me go and do my thing which is so awesome what's really really important to me is that everybody has the best possibility to have the best possible experiences. I believe that, especially in relationships, a lot of people shoot themselves in the foot because they don't allow the other person to be who they are. Well, and it lets me spread my wings. And instead of you putting me in a box, which is what I think a lot of us do in relationships. You can't put we... baby in a box. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is everyday life with you. <laughs> we definitely laugh every day. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> Our relationship with the kid's mom and your family and my family and our relationship and how we relate to the kids, it's totally atypical. Mm -hmm. I hear it all the time from people who are dating someone with an ex and it's usually a train wreck. And I just, I feel so grateful that we have what we have, but I also want to acknowledge that it's not always this way. It's actually more so not this way. And... I think it does kids a disservice, you know, and so I just I feel so grateful for it. I think it should be like this <laughs> more often. I don't know. That's right. It's just my thought. Stacy was 28 and Kenyon 42 when they met. Less so than the age different, actually. What shows up in their conversation is the uncertainty between them around Kenyon already being a father of two kids and having decided that he doesn't want any more children. And so for Stacy, a young woman in a relatively new relationship, this outstanding question isn't yet answered for them. And so now the ball's in Stacy's court around, does she stay and not have kids? Or does she eventually decide, no, I need to leave. I do want kids. And they're okay with this kind of limbo state that they're in. And then the one thing that I know in our relationship that I would say for for the next at least 10 years of our relationship, it will be, and, and could be longer, could be even lifelong, um, we'll always go back and centered around the kid scenario. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the one thing that you and I, um, we, it's, it's, it's resurfaced. Mm -hmm. Additionally, it's also the one thing that we also check in with each other on. Mm -hmm. It's something that I've struggled with and really had to like, just continually check in with myself about probably on a daily basis. I was struggling internally with, I will never have my own kids. I will never have my own baby. I knew how good of a dad you are. And for me, I was like, I don't want to have a baby with anyone else. I just think it'd be amazing to be parents of our own, <laughs> you know, like, and the kids would be such good, our brother and sister, you know, and just that, that whole thing. And I was looking at it from a perspective of like loss and grief and grieving. Instead of just shutting me down, you let me just talk to you about it. And you, I know you felt completely helpless in that moment too. Thinking about not being with you just, like, ripped me apart. And I couldn't do it. Like, I could not say the words of, like, 
okay, this is it. This is the end. And part ways. Like I just, it hurts every bone in my body to think about. And so I was like, all right, that's not the right way. Well, and, and so I had to really think about like other options and other things. And but then I also didn't have the strong desire to push one out myself. <laughs> I wasn't having baby fever. I just was thinking like, I will never have my own. I grew up thinking that I was going to be a princess and get married in a ball gown and have a baby right after. And that's not how my life is going. Right. Like, <laughs> no, no, it was completely different. What you expressed to me was the hurt in the fact that it wasn't your decision. Like you felt helpless because you were like, it's not my decision whether I want kids or not. You felt like I was making the yeah, decision for you. Yeah, but I also was like, but I've made the decision to be in this relationship. Right. I, you know, like, okay, I could break up with him and go find someone else. I hate dating. I see my friends dating. And then what if I find someone else and then we can't have kids or whatever. And then, but I'm like, we stay together. And, you know, I was like going through all these options. And that's where I came to the conclusion of like, we have no idea what's going to happen. No idea. I mean, it, it wasn't just sadness. It was pain that I mm-hmm. saw. And as a man, I want to fix it. Mm-hmm. I mean, subconsciously, I want to put on the tool belt. I want to <laughs> fix it and be like, there, there it is, honey. Look, I fixed it. No more issues. But this is something I couldn't fix. And and I've said, I said it to you then and I've said it many times since that because I believe so much in experiences and the fact that you as a woman – can have an experience that as a man, I can never have. I cannot create a human being inside my body. And if you decided at any point, whether it was then, today, or any time in the future, that you that you feel that you have to have that experience as a human being, that I would come from a place of love and compassion and say, yes, I am sad that our relationship is going to change, but I am so happy and excited for you because you know that you're going to go and find that experience and have that experience. And I would support you a hundred percent with love and compassion. And I've never felt that deep movement inside myself. And I don't know if it will in the future. I don't, we, cause we've talked about this. Like we want to get married. I want to celebrate how amazing we are, but we have to know that this is clear before or somewhat clear. Before yeah, well, we it'll never be 100%. Step. I don't think it, it will. It's never going to be like, oh, yeah, oh, that's the thing we used to talk about. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's the elephant in the room. It is. Right? It's, it's the elephant in the room. That's the thing that's like we could be watching a movie or you could see a photo of your sister and your niece um, and, and have a moment like – uh, wait a minute. That's a moment I won't have because I'm choosing this path. Yeah. But what if I want to choose a different path? Or if I'm watching yeah. you I'm and I'm questioning, is she having one of those moments? Yeah. And it, it, just being able to communicate about it makes me feel so much better. So I don't have to hold it all inside and keep it in instead of and let it, you know, because that's when the toothpaste cap happens when I'm holding it inside and I get animosity and then all of a sudden I'm like you left that toothpaste cap off and I hate you because of that but really it's because of this deeper stuff it totally that's totally off the table because we talk about it and you let me just be like today I'm kind of unsure I don't know (laughs) and so that's just amazing in itself and I love the whole relationship and everything that we have and so that's what that's what I focus on when I start to get like deep and dark about stuff because I tend to just do that in general anyways. If it isn't this, it'd probably be something else in our relationship, honestly. 
Yeah, yeah, because because <laughs> no relationship's perfect. Well, so no, let's... and I just have a tendency to push away <laughs> mm-hmm. and to also go into the deep dark cracks by not having my own. I think about the opportunity of how I can mother in other ways, whether it's to my sister's kids or to my friends that need a motherly figure or to you know whoever the kids when they have kids and but also the capacity that I have now for being able to give my love in other ways and be there for people in other ways instead of being tied down or being you know like you give your life to these kids that's what I'm I'm going on instead of going to the deep dark place and thinking about the what ifs and the could haves and the stereotypes and things let me just say you're an amazing stepmother <laughs> and and I wish there was another term because I don't feel like stepmom does <laughs> justice to what you do are in the family um and and but there's not so we just we call you super stepmom well and it's amazing the toughest arc is is us always recognizing that one day we it could change about how we feel about having a different type of family dynamic well but we also get into our own ruts right this is my first real real relationship um but we just we start to revolve around each other I don't feel connection in those moments and you know like brushing our teeth and I'm just like we haven't even like sat down and and cuddled or hugged or kissed or anything today and when you live with someone when you have kids with them and you have a dog when you work in the same space you break down all the romantic parts of the relationship and you're like running a business together that's been a struggle for me where I try to spice things up a bit where I'm like, that's why I love creating dinners where it's an experience for the both of us or where we're like, we need a day and night because it gets hard. There's a lot of stuff on our plate that we have to worry about. And I just want to make sure that doesn't ever fade. And then I start to get worried about like, oh, God, is it fading? Oh, God, like, is this the moment? Ah, you know, and then I like spiral downward. And I think a lot of people do And then that. I come give you a hug. No. Or no, that's the moment when you walk by crunching on something and then do something to piss me off or like that irritates well, me. Yeah. You know, like we fit so much stuff into a day and at the end of it, we're both just exhausted and we don't have time to look each other in the eyes and kiss and be all lovey-dovey and everything because we're just like doing so much other shit. <laughs> Thirty now, mm-hmm. and let's just say, okay, so they're up to forty. So there's ten years there, where there's that open window for you to potentially have a child. And if I understand who you are, then it can just roll into, okay, I can't physically have my own child, but now I need to uh, adopt because I was adopted. So I want to adopt. I think we're in a great place financially. There's no issues in time in my life, and 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 I understand that that could come up too. So, but that's not the same thing. Look, I, I get it. I understand it. Because <laughs> I've already adopted your kids pretty much. Like, right. into my heart. It's just I didn't sign documents. Right. So I understand in a sense. I could say, well, you know what? Uh, committing to you is also understanding that that's, in a sense, just say, could be nearly lifelong. Because it even could get to the point in your life where uh, you're sad you didn't. Maybe. Say, right. But nobody knows I the future, no right? Idea. Let's say we run, you know, we, we have an amazing 10-year run from now. 
right? Now you're 40. And then the connection's not there anymore for other reasons. Yeah. And we decide to part ways. Mm-hmm. Now is there an animosity because, wait a minute, did I just waste those 10 years? I could have been with somebody who I was... But get, I don't I feel like this is a waste. Right. But like it was... Maybe it's, I could then. I don't it's know. Exactly. Again, it was that's the thought like I had the, in my head. Future predicting. It, sure. But in a sense... I, th- I guess where I was coming from when I was thinking about that is being loving and protective of you because well, what what are my options? Well, I don't want to hurt her later on. So I, I definitely, let's just end this now because it's so amazing now. And look, we're only in this, we've known each other two years. Right. It's so small. In so, what, so the turning too. points, uh, what do we got? Five years, the 35, <laughs> that's where the decision has to be made. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like I think about that and. I, I don't know. Again, like, how are we feeling today? And isn't that funny being in limbo? Most people would be like, oh, God, it's not perfect. I got to get out of this. And we're like, we're cool just being right here where we are. Like, somebody yeah. said the other day, like, well, if you don't have your own kids, then who's going to take care of you when you get old? And I'm like, if that's a reason you're having kids, that's a really bad reason. <laughs> that's right. That's right. This conversation was amazing for me because I was able to sit and be 100% connected to you. Now, I say we show up every single day and we're connected or we are giving our 100%. But in this moment, it was almost like a a date, right? (laughs) Where we got to be able to connect Mm -hmm. and chat uninterrupted. And we didn't talk about work and we didn't talk about all the things that we have to do. Yeah, definitely. And I love telling our story because I think it is unique and... I also think that it could maybe help other people who are in similar situations or who are in the scenario but could see it from a different perspective. It's part of the bucketless life that you created. It's like you share stories with people and you connect on a very human level. Stacy and Kenyon show so much courage to continue to name the elephant in the room, which is more kids or not. But perhaps what they do even better is they stay in the I don't know and we don't know and in this limbo of we're not sure yet and we're okay with not being sure yet. Waylon Lewis has founded the online magazine Elephant Journal. It's a guide to the mindful life and Waylon's mission is to help change the world for the better and to have fun along the way. He's a self-described Dharma brat, and I talk with Waylon about Buddhism, dating, and intimate partnership. One of the things I love about intimate partnership is its ability to humble us appropriately. Uh, And and inappropriately. (laughs) And inappropriately. I want to ask you about your book. Yeah. Things I would like to do with you. I started the book when I was 39. Um, and I was, you know, coming up on 40 and I was like, okay, elephant is relatively successful. I have some ground underneath my feet. So I have my life sort of together and I was looking to what kind of relationship, uh, could make sense for someone like me, but also I think for our generation, but by our generation, that's obviously a very nebulous term, but I think a lot has happened in the last hundred years in relationships. Marriages have, Mm -hmm. have gone from practically being arranged, Mm -hmm. you just live in them 
they're good or they're bad. You just contract. Yeah. To uh, really us set, you know, only being willing to settle for romantic love, which lasts approximately eight weeks. And then you have to deal with reality, right? The Buddhist notion of love, which is mainly what I wrote about, is that love is sort of like a dance. It's not a fixed, solid thing. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of movement. There's space. It can get very sexy. It can get very hot. There's there's an ebb and a flow to it. Mm -hmm. And there's uh, some independence in it. And that the purpose of relationships... So when you say independence in it, I imagine some space between. Yeah, and that's fun for a period of time when you're in the hot, sweaty honeymoon of the soul. But, you know, you you want some space too. You want to be able to hang out with your friends. You don't want jealousy. You want to decide. So basically on a grounded level, I was thinking, how can I possibly say I do and mean it for life? Because what if my wife, 10 years in, says, I want to go be a ballerina in Paris? Do you suppress that desire in her? Well, how do you? The book was written from an experiential point of view, not an expert's point of view. I literally wrote about my relationships, good and bad, happy and sad, um, and kind of took from each one what I could learn and what I had learned and kind of offered that up to others. I remember when uh, in my 20s, I thought so much about intimate partnership. I was so Mm. looking forward to it in my life. And one of the things that ended up happening is that there became a clash of that dream and the reality of how challenging relationship could be at times. So I'm just curious about you. Like, you're not in a relationship, but you want to be. Do you like relationship? We all have these huge ideas and romantic notions, whether we're guys or women, we have our ideas of what that is. My experience in relationships, being a workaholic entrepreneur for 12 years, now 14. So there was this quality in relationships where Waylon was kind of fun and, you know, Elephant was sort of a cool thing. And and then a couple weeks in, you know, reality intrudes. And, you know, Waylon's actually the most boring person you could ever imagine. He works too much? Yeah, he's on his laptop. And there, there became this sort of rivalry between my work and most relationships. Uh-huh. Not all. Uh-huh. Um it was like the three of you. Right. Yeah. And I would kind of have a disclaimer. You Sign know. this before we get in relationship. Yeah. And I would say, I really want to be a benefit to the world. And life is kind of short. And this is what's most important to me, quite honestly. And that could change. But right now, if you don't want to be with someone who... And I would talk about how boring I was. Like, even in that first time when you were getting together... Um, I, we would have that conversation. And, but, wait, wait. So let me just, can yeah. I jump in here? Because yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Early on, oh, yeah. you're telling these women who you're dating when people don't necessarily reveal their negative qualities, you're saying, wait a minute, I know this is looking kind of good now, right. but I can be really boring at times. Yeah. A friend of mine actually had this idea to have like a re- uh, dating contract where you would just say every, all your things and all your weird expectations or great expectations. Up front. Before you made out, huh. like right away, mm. or maybe right after you made out, so yeah, you right. know you're at least into it. <laughs> yeah, right. If, yeah. if someone turns out to be a horrible kisser, maybe you don't need to go through the contract. I mean, from a from an ex-girlfriend's point of view, I'm an incredibly self-involved, boring, workaholic person. Or I have been the last couple of years. Yeah, so you know... There is this so much research about people getting married later in life. Mm. And I'm just sort of seeing it with you in the sense that, you know, oftentimes people get married and then they're building their career, their right. 
in the midst of their marriage. And then at yeah. some point there's this midlife crisis in the relationship where it's a come, come to Jesus moment where you have now gotten to a place where Elephant Journal is successful and you can step away from it a, right. even a little bit enough. So it sounds like you're creating space yeah. for this relationship. Yeah, very much. I am very much like making the bed, tending the garden. Yeah, I think two things. The relationships I really learned that at least who I was meeting were rarely interested in seeing how the sausage was made. You know, rarely interested in seeing me work literally seven days a week, as many hours as I could be awake. They were like, yeah. I don't want that Waylon. Yeah, I want the other Waylon. The later Waylon, yeah. Yeah. They wanted the guy who's going out into the mountains and like doing cool stuff and Uh skiing and going hut to hut and, you know, rafting and like YOLOing around the world, you know. (laughs) How's a 42-year-old guy meet people in terms of possible partners? Well, you're going to get me into trouble. Um, That was the other part of why I didn't settle down was because dating was so fun. Dating has such a bad rap, I feel like, with most mm. people. People are like, I don't want to date anymore. I want to just find it someone. It does. Dating sucks. Dating's yeah. awesome. So why do you like it? Because it has built-in freedom. It's like being a grandparent as opposed to being a parent. Yeah, exactly. You're the cool grandparent. The kids visit for a weekend a year or whatever, however long. Um, and then you send them back to their... Yeah, and you're like, I'm tired. Yeah. Dating is like all that honeymoon stuff, and then it... Then it Thelma and Louise is off the cliff and you're like, okay, I guess that didn't work out. And the art is like, can we be friends? If you can maintain friendship Uh, after that, which is actually really not that hard. You know, you just have to be respectful and kind of have a community of of sisters or something who have tried to teach you to grow up and given up on you, you know, but they care. And they're they're still willing to hang out with you. Yeah. The friendship is really like that a wonderful core of any relationship. And if the sex or the honeymoon or whatever falls away at times, even when you're young, that can fall away at times, um, you better have that friendship. You better enjoy going to do some mundane thing with them. Yeah. Um, you better enjoy, you better respect their opinion and want to talk to them about your day. What about uh, dating sites? Have you given that a go? And Dating sites, here's a tip for dating sites. They need yeah. like, 500 photos, not Not five. just that one or two. There's this process with, at least for me, with the online dating where it's um, some sort of like snake oil salesman kind of thing. It's like, come by this gorgeous house and, you know, and then you get there and it's like Wait condemned or something. Yeah. Maybe I'm old fashioned being an old man. I like meeting people in person. You're picking up like 8,000 visual and emotional and manner cues in the person do you put it out there to your friends to say hey if you know of anybody so do you have friends who were set trying to set you up i don't really um i've been set up a few times and it is like online dating i'm kind of picky but i think most people are the first five seconds you're like no so you know right away yeah but that probably is getting into the parts of me that women don't like you know i definitely i don't like a lot of makeup i can't stand i don't want to make out with makeup you know (laughs) chemicals all over you know so right there you lose like 50 percent of all great women because so many women wear makeup let's just stop you don't need it you're beautiful what do you notice about being a man and being vulnerable and being emotionally available and while still being masculine, you know, that those two things aren't opposite. For sure. I was raised by a single mom, so I've always been choicelessly ah, there we go. Choicelessly uh, vulnerable and kind of romantic and emotional. 
I've been told by women to act like more of a man in my past. No way. So the patriarchy can come out of a woman's mouth as well. Act like more of a man. Yeah. In so many words. Yeah. Don't be emotional. Don't be sad. Don't be brokenhearted. But the fact is, men have hearts and they break as well. And if you're okay with your own vulnerability, it's actually really grounded and really powerful and comforting. Because a man who is, uh, you know, has to throw a football or beat someone up after expressing any kind of vulnerability accidentally for half a second is not strong. I love that you just said that because what is traditionally seen as strong is actually a sign of weakness. Yeah, I mean, can be, can be. I think you, you hit something there about being hurt. From a Buddhist point of view, that's where the practice starts. That's that feeling of brokenheartedness Pema Chodron talks about is your bodhicitta, is your, bodhi means Buddha basically, is your awakened human nature. Mm. So that feeling of pain is in itself your heart waking up, your nature waking up. And it feels horrible, and that's why people will suppress it with alcohol or Netflix binges or whatever it is. A lot of numbing, a lot of... But if you can actually breathe through it, you know, yoga style or whatever, running or meditation, then you can kind of relax with it. You can be okay with it. Somehow we we pathologize it or make it like, oh, that's not okay or that's bad. Well, because it feels bad. And there's this whole positivity culture that drives me crazy, where if it feels good, it must be good. And if it feels bad, it must be bad. Therefore, you should keep anything uncomfortable out. You should, I call it gated community spirituality. You push everything out there. And basically all you do is you eat Twinkies and you ride around on unicorns all day. Mm. And that's Mm. positivity. And, you know, like grow up, you know, you got to face the music. Like in the immortal words of Michael Jackson, you got to face the man in the mirror once in a while. Yeah. Or the woman. So I have a question about Buddhism in relationships. Yeah. The whole purpose of relationships from the Buddhist point of view is to be of benefit. I wrote a blog on Elephant called Love is Selfish. And it was mm-hmm. it started with this, this lady I was kind of uh, hanging out with at the time. She said this beautiful thing that inspired me. She said... I don't want to go on a permanent love picnic for my whole life. I want to actually do some stuff in the world. And that's so attractive to me. Someone who sees love as part of a greater path of service and joy and benefit. And then you die. So in the Buddhist point of view of relationships, a spouse or a partner is one of those aspects. I can't remember how many there are. Uh, I think it's like there's six aspects to a kind of a functioning, enlightened life. Mm. And a spouse is just one of them. Trungpa Rinpoche called it, your spouse or your love is your the messenger for the phenomenal world, for the yeah. rest of the world to you. I love that. In working with couples over the last 15 years, in nearly every session I had with couples, one of the partners would turn to me and say, he or she says stuff to me and stuff happens with me that doesn't happen in any other yeah. relationship I have. Yeah. And I Everyone I, else likes me. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I want to say, well, of course. Yeah. Because the nature of intimate partnership is that it will bring out that in you and in yeah. them, and it'll expose what's not exposed in any other relationship, great friend or casual friend. Yeah. It won't take you there like intimate partnership does. Well said. Well so, said. Yeah, there's so many moments in a relationship where I'm like, who am I? I am such an idiot. What's happening? It's so humbling. It's like humbling doesn't cover it. You're like, wow, okay, I have some work to do. Yeah. I thought I was kind of cool and together. 
things were okay. Yeah. I mean, that's what I noticed when, you know, as a therapist too. And when I was single, it was like, oh, I got this down. I know it. And then I got in partnership and it was like, oh, f- I suck at this. Yeah. And we all do. And you can have a sense of humor. And that, again, is that spaciousness. Yeah. You don't expect everything to be perfect. Yeah. Humor is really important. Yeah. You got to have it. Yeah. And so one more thing. You yeah. just got me going on this. Yeah, single, please. Single mom, only child. Thing. Yeah. Is she, is she yeah. open to, like, does she want you to be married? Oh, yeah. I mean, she's given up a little bit. Like, everyone wants me to be married. But uh, I think a year ago, for the first time, she was like, oh, you're not going to get married. And I was like, Mom, of course I am. say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just taking my time. That was Waylon Lewis. He's founder of the online magazine Elephant Journal and host of the live webcast Walk the Talk. You can follow Waylon on elephantjournal.com, Facebook and Twitter via at Elephant Journal. Thank you to Stacy and Kenyon for sharing their story. Please visit our website for additional resources about co-parenting, step families, adoption, Buddhism, Dharma, love, and of course, relationships. If you'd like to share your story, send us comments or become a sponsor, visit us at elephanttalk.org. Join the conversation. Our producers are Lisa Gray and Kim Paletti. Our theme music is by Rob Berger. Audio production assistance provided by Leslie Gaston Bird and Josh Kern. If you'd like to share your story, send us comments, talk to us, visit us at elephanttalk.org. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. And also review the show because your feedback is incredibly important and it's greatly appreciated and it helps us get the word out there about Elephant Talk, the show. I'm your host, Andy Horning. This is real love. This is Elephant Talk. Elephant Talk.